Welcome to another episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in this episode, we will be discussing proper and effective job interview preparation with Linda Evans. Linda is a strengths-based career coach who is Gallup certified. She is also a speaker and writer who specializes in personal branding. She started her virtual career coaching business, launched by Linda, in 2011. Her full-time career has been in higher education since 2012, and she currently works in career services at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. Now let's get into my discussion with Linda and help you effectively prepare for your next job interview. Hey Linda, how's it going? Hi Max, they're pretty good. Enjoying the springtime and the end of the semester. Nice. So I wanted to bring you on today just to talk about more in terms of interview prep and interview mindset, in terms mm-hmm. of like having that confidence when you go into an interview, knowing your stuff and really presenting your best self in order to really be a standout candidate. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really want to get into the standard, like how to answer an interview question. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. been overdone. If anybody is listening that is on LinkedIn and follows career coaches, you'll see that a lot of them have the same like star format as the way to go. Uh, right. So, Which is a great format. It works. It, it's a great format. It works. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I do know some recruiters that actually send like interview prep notes to candidates that say, please use this far star format. So oh, it's, it's a popular format, right? So uh-huh. I'm not going to get too into it. So for anybody who wants to know what it is, it's just situation, task, action, result. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a great format to really answer a question effectively and make it easier for the interviewer to follow your story. But I want to talk more about more of the mindset in terms of interview prep and people that haven't really done a lot of interviews. Linda, so let's say, for example, a recruiter emails you and they say, hey, Linda, I really like your resume. I would like to schedule a call with you. Are you available this and this time? And Mm -hmm. you're like, sure, I'm available. So how would one prepare when they only have like a couple of days for the first round uh, screening call? Yeah, a couple of days is plenty for the first screening call because they only last like 10, 15 minutes, maybe. It, It really is to screen out people who can't talk professionally, can't represent themselves clearly. So really, you're going to be asked probably three or four basic questions like, tell us about yourself always, right? Just your self intro. And what makes you interested in this job? What makes you think you're qualified for this job? Just really basic questions like that. So you should definitely have those answers or those responses ready to go. And they probably won't get very deep into that because they're not the hiring managers. I mean, they're the hiring They're not the supervisors who will be, you know, supervising you day to day if you get the position. They're just trying to see if you're a real person, that you are clear communicator, and worth pushing to the real people who would be supervising you. So, how does one do well in that interview? In that interview, okay. First of all, I always tell students never accept like a spontaneous interview. You know, if someone calls you and they try to do the screening call right then and there, do not do not go for it because you're not prepared. You're probably in a place where there's people around, there's noise around. You don't have any notes in front of you. You're just not in the mindset that is going to help you do your best. So I always say don't answer phone numbers you don't know because they're probably if you're actively job searching, right, because you might get calls from people who are trying to do those quick screen calls. 
screen interviews. And I've done several myself. Uh, I, I've done one in a hallway. I've done one at my job where my boss is walking by and it's just a terrible situation. So make sure that you call them back and schedule it for the time that's best for you and make sure that you're set up in a physical location and also like in the right mindset to do well. Yeah, actually to bring up as a recent grad when I was applying to a lot of jobs, yes, mm -hmm. I do get the email in terms of uh, when you're available, but I have had those spontaneous first screening calls, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought I, I couldn't actually say, oh, let me call you back or can we schedule another time? I thought I actually had to do it then and there. And obviously I'm not prepared, right? If I'm applying aggressively, which I was, I'm not going to be able to have enough time to like really think about like what company that was for, right? So what you say in terms of rescheduling it in a time that you're more prepared is, is definitely better than trying to wing it when the person calls you. Right. And you don't, you don't have to answer your calls. They will leave a voicemail. If they want to talk to you, they will leave a voicemail and make sure you check your voicemail, of course. And if they email you, that's even better because, you know, you can be more composed, but yeah, I would definitely avoid answering unknown numbers while you're actively job searching. And what's your thought process in terms of video screening calls. So what I mean by that is, I know a lot of larger companies I think are starting to do this, is that you get sent an, a link and then you have to record yourself for like four or five questions. Mm -hmm. uh, so how would someone prepare for that type of interview for a first round? Yeah, for, for me, for those interviews, you definitely want to have a good physical setting where it's quiet, you're not distracted, and you need to dress up and make sure that your background is clean and professional looking and that you have notes in front of you. One of the biggest benefits of a virtual interview, whether it be phone or video, is that you can have notes to refer to. And I recommend that you go through the process of reviewing the job description, researching the company, understanding your own desires and motivations of why do you want the job? Why do you think you're the best fit for the job? And and make sure you practice some common questions like what are your strengths? And, you know, tell us about a time you worked on a team. Those star questions, right? Have have those star stories ready to go. And and I I type it out. I print it out and then I have it right next to me so I can quickly refer to it. You also want to practice talking out loud. So it's not enough to write down the notes and have the content in your head. The biggest thing that I practice with students or the most common you know, interview practice I, I do with students and clients is I have them just practice talking about themselves, answering different questions. And we often repeat it two, three, four times until they get to the length that feels comfortable, that they're confident, their tone is crystal clear and they're not rambling on and on. They have some clear points in mind they want to get across. So it's really important to practice speaking, whether it be just to yourself in the mirror, or if you have roommates, family members, uh, significant others, a career coach, that's going to help you feel so much more confident. Great. And so again, we agreed that the first round is more about are you an actual person? Um, <laughs> can you speak well? And obviously, if you have the expertise. So mm -hmm. what's the difference between the first round interview and deeper rounds, whether it's meeting with the hiring manager or it could be panel interview? So how should one prepare in terms of a first round screening call and then more in terms of the deeper interview process? Yeah, I think a first, uh, first screen calls are really about your voice, your word choice. And like I said, those basic questions, why do you want the job? Why do you think you're a good fit for the job? And you don't need to go much deeper. You just want to enunciate and have good grammar and avoid too many filler words and 
project a little bit more. I recommend smiling on the phone because they can they can hear that positivity and confidence coming through. And then once you get to the higher levels where you're meeting with multiple people on a panel or you know through a series over multiple hours, that's where they're really looking for the the fit. And I know that's kind of becoming a controversial thing, right? Like looking for the cultural fit, personality fit, but people work, people hire the other people that they want to work with. So by the time you become a finalist and you're, you're having these multiple rounds of interviews with the same company, they, they know you can do the job. Like your resume looks good. You have all the qualifications. They're really just looking for the like same wavelength. It's hard to describe, right? But, but someone that they think would fit well in their team, in their company that can hit the ground running, that they would get along well with. So by the time that people get to the final round, I think you need to turn up the charm a little bit more or like the charisma and try to be more of a people person in addition to proving that you have the competence to do the job. One of the biggest misconceptions in terms of interview is that they think they have to constantly prove their expertise. But from what you've just said, it's yes, they know that you can do the job, but they want to see if there's a cultural fit. Like, is this person actually going to work well in our team environment? And I think that a lot of people still think that when they're in the interview, they still have to prove their expertise. Yeah. And I mean, and that's good, right? You want to find those opportunities to share your highlights of your career, their star stories, but you also want to pay attention to the interactions between yourself and your interviewers. Make sure that you catch those nonverbal cues. I've had candidates, you know, me as the interviewer have have candidates who miss a lot of cues. They talk too long, they talk too fast. They're not on the same wavelength. And so it feels like, okay, they're definitely qualified, but I don't know if we would work well together. Does that make sense? So, So you really have to focus on the relationship in those uh, conversations. So you've interviewed many professionals. What are some common mistakes that professionals make in terms of the interview process, in terms of like presentation? That is an interesting question. I think talking too long. (laughs) Uh, You definitely want to answer the questions thoroughly and answer the question asked rather than answer some other question. You know, when, when people ask you questions in an interview, those questions have been very carefully worded and formulated by the committee and by HR. So make sure you listen carefully to the question and answer the question. So one of the biggest mistakes is people just go off on tangents and start talking about their own agenda, whatever they wanted to get through, and they talk too long, or they're overconfident. That's a little, I mean, it, it's kind of like the tone, you're, you've come off as self-entitled to the position that you already know you're perfect for, for the position. So yeah, I think I think they're very nuanced things because by the time they get to the interview, their resume we know is impressive enough. So it's really the way that they speak and present themselves and maybe missing social cues. You know, if people start looking down at their watches or their phones, you know, you're probably talking too long as the interviewee. There's always going to be a huge debate in terms of how long an answer should be. But what is your general guideline in terms of how long an interview answer should be? It should be enough to answer the question and to give a detailed example. So don't just answer the question like yes or no, you know, simple, simple words, but explain, back up your answer and then stop and always bring it back to the job. Don't don't just go off and wander and tell your life story. But if there is there's like a personal connection, as in, you know, you, you notice a chance for a joke, you you start like catching on to the 
interviewer's senses of humor, then you might take an opportunity to just create some levity there. I think that's very useful in interviews is to have that humorous connection with your interviewers if if they're in the mood, right? If they're like super serious, then maybe don't be too lighthearted. But if they seem to be in like a friendly, sociable mood, then I think taking the chance to show your personality more helps a lot. Great. And in terms of the questions, another thing that a lot of people try to do is they're trying to like guess what the question is. I'm not sure if you experienced that. So how do you prepare for an interview where you're not going to know what the questions are, but you still want to do well? Yeah, I mean, that is the biggest, biggest gamble, right? Like, what do you spend your time preparing for? The biggest clues you have are in the job description. So that make sure you read it many times, highlight it, take notes, and understand what they're really looking for. One of the biggest clues is if they repeat phrases. I find that job descriptions can be very repetitive. And if you read the whole thing, you're like, okay, they've said teamwork like five times, right? Or they said like strategize like seven times. So I got to find good examples and stories to back up how I can strategize, how I work well in teams. So really studying the job description and also studying the company as much as you can, right? If you know people in the company, that's the best thing is if you talk to people who've worked there who are not on the hiring committee so they can be honest and open with you about what the culture is like and what the management styles are like, the work-life balance is like. And also, I've noticed this kind of recently that you really need to know the industry because there are different levels of questions, right? There's job level questions, maybe like company level questions, like the vision of the department or the company. And then there are big level questions. Right now, diversity and inclusion is a really important movement or trend or whatever you want to call it in higher ed, which is my industry. And we've asked that in in all of our interviews for candidates. And, and it's very obvious if they have no idea what it is. So if you are you know, applying to an industry that you're familiar with, make sure you're up to date on what the conversations are going on LinkedIn or going on online. Online, it helps a lot because it's so, so transparent nowadays. But if you're jumping into a different field, that's even more important. If you learn the lingo, the jargon that the people in that industry use, and if you're using the wrong jargon or you don't know what certain common phrases mean, it's going to come through and really hurt you in an interview. So speaking of that, so let's say you prepare the best you can and they give you a question that you're not sure about. How do you still remain on your game when you get an unexpected question? Yeah, and that's that's like an impossible question to answer, Max. <laughs> but I I think you just have to stall a little bit at the beginning. And, and it's obvious if you don't know the answer to the question, right? Because we can all see if somebody is stalling. But that doesn't mean you, sh- you can't. So I say always have water nearby, take a sip. And, and you can just say that is a great question. Take a sip and say, let me think about that for a couple seconds and take a, you know, three to five seconds to collect your thoughts and do your best to think your way through it. You know, talk about your thinking process and how you would approach it. And if you're not familiar with it, just, just be open about that instead of trying to pretend you know everything because nobody knows everything. So, you know, if I were asked a question about diversity and inclusion and I didn't know much about that, then I can just tell anything that I've read on the news or in the headlines about it. And, and if you don't know much about it, 
express your desire to learn about whatever they're asking you about, because that shows that you're teachable and that you're humble enough to admit you don't know, but you're also confident enough to not be shaken by that question. So it's better to say you don't know than to try to wing an answer. It depends on how much you know about it, right? If you know like some a little bit about it, go ahead and share that. But if you absolutely know nothing, then just admit it because it's going to be obvious that you don't know and and just express your willingness and openness to learn. In terms of like more of the communication side of things, a lot of people who get nervous at interviews, they tend to not pause, so they just keep going. <laughs> so, so is there some exercises or something to do before the interview to like remain calm and collected so they do like properly pause so the interviewer can actually absorb what they're saying? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I have noticed that people ramble a lot when they get nervous, and it's probably because we're not breathing. When we're nervous, we take really shallow breaths don't get enough oxygen to our body, to our brains. So make sure you're taking deep, deliberate breaths. And when you don't know something, your your first in a, instinct is to panic, right? And to be like, oh my gosh, and scramble and start trying to think really, really fast. But try to slow down and look at your notes. Hopefully you have notes because even in an in-person interview, you know, people can come with their resume and the job description and have a little notepad. It's not weird to have notes in front of you. Just don't be staring at it or reading from it. You know, you can glance at your notes every few seconds or minute or so. So I think it's important to just focus on your breath, stay in the moment and try to think clearly rather than speak as much as you can. That makes sense. So how does one prepare like mindset wise before the interview? So let's say you have an interview at 12 p.m. It's nine in the morning. What should you do between 9 a.m. and let's say 1145 before you have to hop in on a Zoom call or uh, arrive at the office? Yeah, I love this question because people don't think about this, right? They just think about what am I going to say in the interview? But it really starts the night before. You need to get a good night's sleep. Don't try to stay up cramming for the interview like it's a test. Make sure that you get the proper amount of sleep you need. And that doesn't make you, um, you know, if you have an early interview, make sure you sleep earlier so you can take your time getting ready to look your best to get to the place in time. If it's in person, if it's online, make sure you clear your space, you know, don't have clutter around you, get comfortable. So it's really, you know, physical health, I think. So getting enough sleep, staying hydrated, and eating a good breakfast with protein and fiber, because that keeps your body full longer, and your stomach won't be growling. But if you if you get nauseous, when you get nervous, then eat a lighter breakfast, you know, whatever your body's normal, healthy functioning mode is, do what is best for your body, have the water nearby, and then focus on, because what you, how you think directly affects how you feel, right? And most people feel nervous in interviews because they're scared. It's out of fear that they're going to mess up, that they'll be rejected, that they won't be qualified, that they'll forget what to say. So many terrible scenarios in your mind. So I think it's really important to Focus on gratitude, first of all, like you got an interview, congratulations, not everybody does, right? And be grateful for the opportunity that they want to spend 20, 30, 60 minutes with you, getting to know you. That's a huge privilege. So focus on the privilege. Focus on your excitement, you know, that, oh my gosh, if I got this job, it would be awesome. And I know that can take you on a roller coaster ride, but 
job searching is a roller coaster ride. I don't know if you can avoid that. But focus on what you love about the job because that excited, positive energy will come through instead of, oh my gosh, what if I don't get the job? You know, that that brings a really different, nervous, desperate energy to the interview. So focus on what you love, why you will be excited to get it, and also all of your strengths, like what makes you qualified. So I think the pre-work to doing well in an interview is to only apply to jobs you're qualified for, which means that you meet at least 70% of the qualifications, right? Not 100% necessarily. And prepare. So don't ever like do an interview cold, even though you're like, oh, I know the company. I have, my brother's worked there for five years. You know, I've gone to the site, blah, blah, blah. You need to read and you need to review the company, the job description, your own resume, your own cover letter, Wikipedia, whatever. And and that way, you know the contents in your head. You've practiced speaking your answers. And also, um, some people, it helps them to meditate beforehand so they can get very present and focused on what's in front of them. And for others, it might be going for a jog, like getting the nervous energy out, you know, exercising, doing jumping jacks. I like to do vocal exercises, just like sirens or like, you know, like that kind of thing to get my voice warmed up because you're going to be the one doing most of the talking in an interview. So there's all sorts of tricks, but really get your body ready because it's a whole body experience. So going to what you said before about how you do most of the talking, like quote unquote experts are saying that in order to have a good interview, it should be a conversation, not a monologue. What's, mm-hmm. what's your uh, perspective on that? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I find, and maybe this is just in higher ed or the, the fields that I'm more familiar with, but interviewers try to be very fair. HR tries to make things extremely fair by having a set number of questions that everybody needs to ask for every candidate, right? Like the interviewers are not supposed to deviate too much from that. So I find that those kind of interviews are, are more, much more talking from the interviewee. Whereas if it's a, a company that is more loose, maybe a startup, and they do whatever they want, you know, they ask whatever they want, then it can be more of a conversation. And I always try to make that, if I'm the interviewee, I try to make it more of a conversation and ask about them, like, what do you, what is your favorite thing about the company? Or what, what do you think are the biggest challenges that will come with this role? And, and try to make it back and forth. But if, if the interviewers don't say much, I wouldn't take that personally because it might just be an HR, you know, policy. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, it really depends on the culture. If it's a startup loose culture, then make it more of a conversation. If it's more formal in different like, industries, then you just have to read the room, right? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like the overconfidence, what you said before about like, you should still like research the company and know it in and out. What I do find a lot of people do is that if they do get a referral in, they think it's a shoe in, right? So they don't actually prepare properly and they end up bombing the interview. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's one of those things that just because you got a referral doesn't mean you're the shoe in. You still have to prepare properly, right? Absolutely. Just because you get a referral, like, so that getting a referral means that they have an increased interest in you. It doesn't mean that they are guaranteed to hire you. So if a referral gets you in the door, you still have to prove yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of recent grads that are getting into the workforce for the first time or someone that hasn't had an interview in like five to 10 years, what is the type of mindset or type of advice that you can give these types of people in terms of like 
going through this job search process? Yeah, besides what I mentioned with being grateful, being excited, I would also add being curious and trying to learn as much as you can, like observe with your eyes, your your ears, and as you're speaking, you know, gauge how they respond to you. Are they respectful? Are they present? Are they interested in you? How do they how do they talk with each other if they're multiple interviewers? And also to to remember that you have the power. You have equal power as the interviewer, which I think we often forget, right? We're like, oh my gosh, they can give me a job or or they can keep me unemployed. <laughs> and it's really not that. Like they are hiring because they are missing talent. They have gaps in their employee pool. They have jobs that need to get done and they don't have enough people to do it. So they are also in great need as much as you are. And you have the power to to end the selection process just as they do, right? If they don't call you back, you can also I mean, you should definitely respond if they call you, but but you have the power to say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in a second interview or no, thank you. I'm not interested in accepting your offer. So just remember that you are interviewing them. I know that sounds very cliche, right? You're interviewing the interviewer, but it's very true. And that helps you to feel more empowered and more on equal footing with the interviewers is that you both can terminate the process really at any time. And to add to that, a lot of people want to ask questions at the end to like impress the interviewer. However, the other way to look at it is you should ask questions about the job to see if you actually want it. Like where, what side of the fence do you fall on on that? Yeah, I think the, the you know, last 10 minutes of what questions do you have for us is, is a great opportunity to cover anything that you haven't had a chance to talk about in terms of your strengths and qualifications. But it's true. If you, if you sense something, I mean, you should always go with, with questions prepared, right? Like questions that you have planned ahead of time to ask them to learn more about the position, to give yourself opportunities to add on to your answers if they didn't ask about a certain experience that you're proud of. But if you sense something during the interview, like, I, I feel a lot of tension between these two interviewers. I wonder if they hate their job or I wonder if they don't like working together. I wonder if there's a high turnover rate, you know, you can, you can add in a question like that. Like I like to ask, why is this position vacant and how long has it been vacant? Because if the person left because they hated the job or because it was a toxic culture or because the boss was very rude, then you want to be as aware of that as possible. And they don't have to say much. You can just watch how they answer it. You know, if they get uncomfortable, if they get silent or awkward or tense. So yeah, I think definitely both is you can interview them, see if you still want to come back for another interview or for, for the job offer, as well as taking the chance to highlight your own qualifications. So what are your, besides the uh, the question you just brought up in terms of is, is this position, like how, why is this position vacant? What are some other, what, what are some other questions that an interviewee could ask an interviewer? I mean, so many. I, I've heard a trick that you, you can ask, like, what is your favorite part of working here or what has been a highlight of your experience working here? Because that gets them in a positive mood. They think about a happy moment and and they associate that joyful feeling with talking to you. So then they want to see you again. But there's a lot of questions. I think you should definitely, if you have any genuine questions about the job position, those should definitely be asked in the interview. Like, if you're not if you're not clear on what the job entails, ask about it. But, you know, never ask, 
like about the salary or the benefits because you you don't have that power yet. You're not wanted enough, right? You're not in negotiating status yet. So whenever whatever questions you ask, always make sure that it's about giving and serving the company's interests rather than your own. So don't, you know, like avoid questions such as when can I start taking vacation or how long is parental leave or what's the retirement benefits like <laughs> or can I buy stock in the company? Because that's all about your own self-interest. So focus on the company's interest first. And if they bring you back and you get to the final interview, they seem very interested, you can kind of start tiptoeing into your own self-interested questions. And in terms of what you said before about like there's two interviewers, what's the strategy or mindset when it comes to when it's a one-on-one interview between you and the hire manager? And let's say the hire manager brings a couple of people into interview as well. So how would you like work the room uh, with multiple people in an interview compared to just one-on-one? Yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of rare, more rare to have just one-on-one nowadays, at least in my experience, because people are trying to be more fair in HR and trying to get multiple opinions, people from outside the department. And and that's a good thing, I think, because you have more chances to woo them, right? And so when it's one-on-one, it's, I mean, all the, all the classic good listening, conversation skills, eye contact, body language, try to mirror them, sit up straight don't stare <laughs> and don't fidget too much. But when, when you have multiple people in front of you, you really have to balance the eye contact so you're not just talking to one person because then other people can feel disrespected or left out. And also try to address them by name. Remember their names, jot them down if you need to. So you can use that. That helps them to feel more connected, more respected by you. And always, always follow up with thank you notes to each individual never just as a group, never just to the person who scheduled the interview. I like to go above and beyond and write individual notes to each interviewer and try to add something personal. Like if I know that they have a vacation coming up next week, you know, like enjoy your vacation. Or if they said, oh, sorry, I have a cold today. Like, you know, excuse my sneezing. Then I hope you feel better next week just to help them feel that I care about them as a person. And I'm not just trying to get the job. Is it awkward to find people's emails? So let's say, for example, you have the hiring manager's email, but there's a few other individuals that were in the interview, but they don't have their email. Obviously, in the big company, it's going to be the same sort of email pattern, so you can kind of figure it out. But is it a bit <laughs> awkward emailing someone when they, you actually, they never gave you their email? I don't think so. I've done that many, many times. And some people will respond and some don't. You can't take it personally. And I, even if you can't find their emails, always ask the hiring manager for all their emails. I don't think that's taboo or weird at all because it shows that you are intentional, that you're trying to cover all your bases and that you're doing due diligence, you know, in the process. Let's talk about post-interview anxiety. So what I mean by that is, <laughs> you, you kind of know where I'm going with this. So, so let's, say you had a, let's say you have a great interview and then it goes to that silence. So even let's say you send a thank you note, they reply back and then it's silence for a week or two. And like you have that analysis paralysis like oh did I do well did I not do well so how can one like calm their nerves down and just focus on like applying for other jobs even though this one might be the one that they wanted I know I know that's so hard because you put so much on the line you're so hopeful you get your you get your hopes up and and you have nothing to look forward to right when you have the interview in front of you you can prepare you feel like you have more control but when it's behind you there's nothing you can do uh, after you send the thank you note I mean, you can follow up in a week or 10 days. I think that's very 
like normal and professional. But I think it's really important to keep job searching. Like don't stop until you get the job you want, which is exhausting, I know. But that helps you to feel like you have more control, you're moving forward, you're making progress and not just sitting on this. Because the if you just sit on a job, as in like you interview it for it and then you don't do anything else, then that gives them more power because the longer you have to wait, the more anxious you get, the more out of control you feel, the more desperate you feel. So the best thing you can do is really just keep applying, keep networking, keep learning until you get the job that you want. In terms of, let's say you you finally do land that job, what is some advice that you can give people in terms of making a good first impression uh, when they enter their new job? Listen more than you speak. So definitely observe, 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 and take notes. Observe not just, you know, the people, but like how they speak to each other. What are the norms in person and online? Online is so different, right? I know tons of people, including myself, have started new jobs during the COVID pandemic where everything is virtual. You don't get to see your office. You don't get to meet your boss. You you get a laptop shipped to your house or whatever. So that's very different, very hard to get to know the culture. But still, every time you have an interaction with people or you go on site to the office, observe, look around you, see um, what kind of decorations people have on their cubicles, like listen to listen to conversations and, you know, try to pick up patterns of speaking or norms. Like, does everybody go out to lunch together? Does everybody eat at their desk? Does the boss have informal meetings or do they have very formal meetings? Like what 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 are the norms and cultures around you? and learn about everything without judgment. Really try to observe like you're an anthropologist in the jungle or like in a village in a new country, right? Because it's kind of like a new country. It's a new culture. So learn as much as you can and notice what makes people successful or, or happy in that new environment. Great. And you've obviously been on both sides of the fence as an interviewee and an interviewer. So since you have both perspectives, what do you want the other side to know about the other side? So so like answering for both sides? Yeah, like answering for both sides. Yeah. Okay. So as as the interviewer, I want people to to really be more present and listen to the questions and get to know the people in the interview rather than just go through a script in their head. Because they probably, you know, the ones who really want the job probably have prepared a lot and and they're just talking points that they have and they're not they're not really listening and interacting as much. So so the interaction's not very authentic. And for the interview we I think interviewers it would it would be helpful to like share more about the company and not just ask questions. And to be a little bit more personable, which can be hard if as the interviewer, like you're you're talking to all these strangers, you're trying to find the right person. But I think um, as, adding more of that human component in it makes it more enjoyable for both sides. And I want to uh, end this conversation with a personal question for you. So my podcast deals more with helping people overcome obstacles. So whether it's personal or your professional life, what was one roadblock that you had? And what did you do to overcome it? That is a big question. I I feel like there are a lot of challenges in my life that were hard, but I don't necessarily think of them as roadblocks. The best example that I could think of right now probably 
in high school when I when I found a church that I wanted to join and my parents were basically atheists, agnostics, and they did not let me join. Like they would not let me get baptized and the church would not let me get baptized without my parents' permission before the age of 18. So my parents kept me from joining this church and I had to wait 14 months before I was the legal age of 18, and then I just joined it (laughs) without asking them. But that was a huge roadblock for me because I really loved the community and the doctrine and just everything about this church, and I couldn't fully be a member and fully participate. I mean, I tried as much as I could, right, without being baptized into the church, but I did everything I could, and then as soon as I could remove that roadblock myself, I did. I just joined because I didn't need my parents' signature anymore. And and then worked hard to maintain a positive relationship with my parents to show them I can still be active in my family life and, you know, loyal to them in addition to being active in this new church. And they came around to it, you know, over time, but they were very resistant at first. And that was a huge roadblock I had to overcome. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. And again, thank you for coming on the podcast. How can people connect with you online? Thanks so much, Max. This has been a really interesting conversation for me as I've thought about my experiences with interviews as the interviewer and the interviewee. Um, people can find me on my website, launchedbylinda.com. That's probably the easiest thing because it's linked to my social media and everything else. I have a lot of articles and videos on there as well for people to use as free resources, launchedbylinda.com. Great, Linda. Thank you again. And I hope my audience can utilize some of your insights in terms of interview prep to help them get the job they want. Thanks so much, Max. Thank you again to Linda for coming on the show to provide advice and guidance for professionals looking to up their interview game. I would like to take a few minutes here to highlight some of the main points of my conversation with Linda on effective interview preparation. When it comes to various rounds in the interview process, generally the first round, which is a screening call with a recruiter, are basic questions to see if you have the skill and expertise they are looking for, and also to evaluate your communication skills and your delivery in your answers. When you start going into the deeper rounds of the interview process for a company, that's when it's more about cultural and team fit to see if they are able to work with you on a daily basis. So in those interview sessions, try to really focus on building a relationship with the hiring panel and hiring manager. Listen carefully to the question and actually answer the question that they ask. From a communication standpoint, in terms of length of an interview answer, the rule of thumb is that you want the answer to be long enough to go through a specific example in your career and connect it back to the job. From a preparation standpoint, obviously you won't know 100% of the questions that they're gonna ask you, but a good guide is to go through the job ad in detail and really find what are the common themes in that job ad. For example, if they mention a lot about collaboration and teamwork, you're probably gonna get at least one question where they ask you to demonstrate a time that you showed your teamwork skills. You can practice as much as you want, but in order to do well in an interview, you also have to prepare your body, which means that you should definitely get a good night's sleep and have a full meal before you go into the interview. That will give you the energy you need to be fully alert and answer their questions effectively. And finally, at the end of each round of the interview process, you wanna ask good questions to show your interest in the company, but you also wanna ask questions 
that you want to know in terms of whether this company would be a good fit for you. The big no-no when it comes to interview questions is making them very self-centric. And that means talking about salaries and benefits. Those type of discussions should only be brought up during the job negotiation process. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode useful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, where I post daily content on topics such as career advice, job search tips, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.